Hey, you're listening to the Time and Talks podcast. I'm your host, Dejal V. Patel, and this is the place where we have refreshingly real talks about the biggest problems moms face in motherhood and life and the spiritual solutions to solve them. If you're ready to reset your mindset with some major truth bombs, well then, let's dive in. You guys asked for it. So now I'm back. Welcome back to the podcast, guys. Man, it's been a long time. It's so funny. I've been doing these like Thage talk riffs on my Instagram stories recently because I wasn't having the capacity to show up on the podcast and it felt right for a while to take a break. And whenever I do those riffs, I really am like, oh my gosh, I have so much to say and 30 seconds to a minute is just not enough time. And I always have this thought, like maybe I should do the podcast again. And then I like quickly talk myself out of it. I'm like, nobody has the time to listen. Who's going to listen? Oh my gosh, people are so busy. And then without fail, I'll have a couple people trickle in and be like, um, you should really do the podcast again. I miss you. This is a great topic. And then I put it out there just as a feeler to see like if there's really any sort of like interest and you guys were popping off. It was like almost 100% bring it back. So you guys are feeling what I'm feeling. So we are back for this new round of solo cast. I love solo cast. Not to knock on you know, the, the podcasts that do interviews, I love them too. I just, for me, like, this is just a great way to get all these downloads and thoughts and feelings that I accumulate out into the world so that they can marinate in your spirit and hopefully, you know, awaken and inspire your spirit, um, on your path too. I wanted to take a moment actually because it's been, this is season five, crazy, crazy, crazy. I wanted to share what the purpose behind the name Time and Talks podcast is because it started off so different than what it's evolved into. And Time and Talks to me really means is that we're taking the time to talk about the things that we don't necessarily talk with, with our friends and our family, definitely not our family, but it's the deep stuff, the stuff that matters. It's taking a pause to talk about the essence, the what the soul wants to know, what the soul needs and desires in our journey to evolve into our higher self and merge into that version of ourselves. So yeah, this is like deep talks. I hope it leaves you with ahas, something that will definitely leave you feeling empowered and connected to your spirit and your soul. And today I wanted to talk about things because you know I'm all about relatable and tangible. It's not just about these big lofty ideas, but then it's like, that is a great idea. Now, how do I apply that to my life? And that's really like the crux of, you know, the coaching that I do, this book that I'm currently writing. It's like, great, this gave me an aha but now how do I practice it? And how does this show up in my life? Because everything needs to be relatable for me and you, the modern mom who's like, can't just speed off to some mountaintop and just be alone and not be triggered and not be around other people. We are needed here in the world. And it's actually exciting because we're making an impact in the most powerful way. You know, our our legacies are priceless when you touch and serve the soul of another. 
through um, what we call this labeling as parenting, um, this role and this label as mother, it is one of the most powerful karmas and legacies, karma being in a good way. It's like their dharma, I should say, not karma, but dharma that we do in, um, in this incarnation. So today we're talking about why moms got have this love-hate relationship with taking a break. Like literally, we need to take a break and then we feel guilty about it. But then we feel overwhelmed and we feel burned out and we're like, man, I can't wait till I take a break. And we have this really weird synergistic ex- experience and relationship with breaks. We have these overcouplings of what it means that if I'm a mom that needs to take a break, I can't hack it. I'm not good enough. I'm not, I have something lacking in me. And uh, it's almost like a sign of our worthiness as a parent that if we need to take a break from our kids or our life or it feels overwhelming as if we're doing something wrong, as if it's a reflection on us, we compare ourselves to our moms who are like, oh my gosh, my mom used to work and take care of kids and put a meal on her, you know, warm cooked meal every single day. Maybe they cook numerous times a day and they're like, I can barely whip, you know, some rice or roni together and then we feel bad about ourselves i'm just gonna quickly say man side note they didn't have distractors like the internet instagram social media they weren't looking at reels they had nothing to compare except the people that were around them so yeah they didn't have as many distractions as us right but this is not a comparison game Our parents' journey was their own, and our journey in this present moment is our own, and we really need to focus on where we're at, what our capacity is, and what we can do. You see, I think up until this point, like we have really let our mind lead the game. It dictates, has these intrusive thoughts of what it means to be a good parent. And, you know, when we think about parenting as a verb, that's like such a new concept because up until, you know, our parents' generation, you are a parent. Like they didn't give much thought about, are you eating organic food? Am I going to sign you up for this? What kind of, uh, you know, well-rounded, like how many languages do you know? Like I need to spend all this quality time and one-on-one time with you. Like we, and it's a good thing. It's not in, I'm not saying it in a negative way. Like we really take parenting seriously, sometimes so seriously that we have gone a little overboard with the helicoptering and the hovering and, you know, the not wanting our children to ever have a mistake or feel pain or you know, all these things um, to protect them, going at extreme lengths to protect them. And I get it. I get it. I'm a parent right now. I go through the same things too. But the reality is, is that being with our kids all the time, constantly cooking home-cooked meals, thinking that we need to keep them engaged and uh, be in their presence and constantly be teaching them and playing with them and, you know, them getting bored is a sign that we're, you know, it's a reflection of our parenting, them being upset or mad at us or others or something unfortunate or, you know, unplanned and unfortunate, like breaking legs or not getting picked on a specific team they were hoping for or having a falling out with a friend or a breakup, 
all these things, we want to shield them from it. And we shield them from these life experiences. Their nervous system really can't learn how to be resilient. We need the ups and downs and the flexibility of our body, you know, bouncing back from those things in order to actually build resilience. So the more we shield them from these things, um, the more that it taxes us emotionally, physically, um, and energetically, because it's a lot for us to take on, but also we're doing them a disservice, um, and building their capacity to be able to handle challenges, parenting, uh, difficulties as they grow up. So one of the biggest concepts that I like to really focus on is when it comes to taking breaks is that, you know, our mind has feels like it has an unlimited capacity. It can have intrusive thoughts and keep running and racing. It's like never ending. But our body, our body does not have limitless capacity. Our body has a finite period of time where it can move, it can work, it can be active, and then it needs a break. Our body needs rest, Our body needs pauses. Our body needs breaks. It can't constantly be on the go, go, go like our racing mind is. And trying to push our body to function at the speed as our mind is actually a severe boundary violation. It's like one of the biggest boundary violations that we do to ourselves. We think that boundary violations to our body is only like abuse, aggression from somebody else. And that's not true. We are also the aggressor and the abuser of our body when we push it past our limit, when we force food into our body when it's not hungry, when we force it to smile and to placate and to please others when inside it's like, I actually abhor and hate what you're saying right now. And I don't want to people please, but I don't have the freedom to authentically express myself. I'm being suffocated and stopped by my mind. Um, so, you know, there's different ways that we create these boundary violations for ourselves. And we have to be cognizant that we're in a relationship with our body. Our body is not this thing that we dominate. It's something that we have to build a connection with and understanding, um, you know, just like our mind has wisdom, our body has immense wisdom. I think that our intuition lives through not just the words, like we say, like with the voice of the intuition, the first primal voice of the intuition is the sensations in our body. And every emotion has a sensation that it manifests in our body. And if we're not in tune to those sensations and those emotions and those feelings, we disconnect from them and we start, start stop getting connected and understanding what it is that we want, what are our needs, what are our feelings, what are, what is it that we need to self-soothe? And we start overly attuning to other people outside of us. And that's what we notice with parenting is that I don't think our generation has a problem with attuning to our kids. We have a problem of overly attuning to our kids to the point that we don't give ourselves breaks. It's at the detriment to us. We are pushing ourselves so much 
because we don't want to do it wrong. We are scared that we're going to mess them up. We're scared um, that we're going to traumatize them because now we have the language and awareness of understanding the trauma that we made of experience, whether it was little T developmental trauma, like the good things that didn't happen to you that should have like emotional support, lacking emotional support physical, um, you know, physical trauma that could have happened by actual physical acts of aggression. Um, and we are the first generation really unpacking this and really committed to being cycle breakers because that's what our generation's karma and dharma is, uh, in our evolution as humanity. But we have to really think about, you know, Our capacity is essentially what that means is the space that we have in our body to regulate and to metabolize the stress charges and activations that we feel. Stress creates a charge in our system. And unless we actually physically move it out and metabolize it, it still stays stuck and it represses, it becomes, um, you know, unhealthy habits and patterns, and it could be anger rages because we need to get it out. And so if you think about, you know, our society, the last 75, 80 years is the first time that we've been living in nuclear families, thousands of years prior to that. And even many of you may have experienced living in a joint family or in a community, But now, like many of us, um, are raising kids with just one or two adults in their life. I mean, I had the experience, many of you did have that beautiful experience of having um, your cousins or masas and masis or uncles and aunts around. I did not. It was just my nuclear family in central Pennsylvania growing up. And that was a really toxic thing, especially when you're growing up with two emotionally immature, toxic parents, um, emotionally toxic parents. Um, and you have no other outlet of, or models of safety, these bodies that you are turned to, you are very, very limited. And it felt like a jail at times. It felt very suffocating having no other outlet. And, um, you know, that's the same thing with our kids. They just have us and they really do. We really do need other adults in their life guiding and supporting them. But then a lot of times I have clients who live in joint families and there's this generational clash, right? This culture clash. So even if you're living with in-laws, for example, that there's physical bodies that could support you. Say you need to go to the bathroom and you had a newborn, you have a set of eyes to watch the baby while you go versus someone who is on their own, their partner or spouse is at work and it's just you and the baby. You got to leave the baby in the bathroom or, you know, you might hold off going to the bathroom because they need you because they're crying and they they can't be put down. So, you know, physically uh, you may have support, but emotionally it feels taxing and draining because you're not on the same page. Um, And some can be very overbearing and it could be overwhelming Um, and you know, it's, it's difficult because back in the day, we parents got breaks from their kids naturally because the kids were off playing on their own, or you had like 12 people who could like, you know, drop your kids off to like the neighbors and they would watch your kids. 
Um, and you got that break, literally a break for your nervous system to reset, to rebuild capacity. I like to think of it as like a battery and we only have so much battery capacity in a given day. And, you know, you start off the day, if you're lucky, you know, got enough sleep, eat good food and green battery. And then as the day goes on and the challenges happen, our batteries naturally get drained and depleted and our capacity to handle difficult situations, to be flexible, to be adaptable, to be patient slowly starts to dwindle. And then some of us are running ragged on edge and we're like in the yellow battery phase. We're like, technically we're in red battery where we're like losing steam, but we go in battery reserve mode and we're just like trudging through the day, pushing through it because we're very determined. We are motivated, we're ambitious, and we're still very, like our minds are sharp so we can be organized and push through it but our body is very depleted. Like our mind may be sharp to a certain degree, but our body is definitely losing steam. And then there's the red brain, red battery. It's, we are losing steam and we are, any little thing can shoot us off into lashing out on others, right? So, you know, our low capacity, our yelling, our coping mechanisms to handle a stressful day, like drinking wine or going on social media or binge eating. Um, we really can't beat ourselves up about it because these are all normal responses to living in a nuclear family setup. It's not pleasant, but it is a natural response because we're not getting the breaks. And then there's the self-imposed things that we have that when our kids are home, we need to constantly be with them, being engaged with them. They need to be stimulated. That adds a lot of pressure and takes on, you know, we are human beings designed for connection and living in a nuclear family is not necessarily quote unquote normal for our system because no one body has the capacity to truly like a parent three bodies fully and always. And so we're not built for that and we haven't like evolved there biologically. So it's very natural for fear, anger, pain, exhaustion, disassociation, like wanting to connect with your kids and then like, oh my gosh, I need a break from them. I don't want to connect. Like I don't have the energy to connect. Um, and it's really, really important that we give ourselves a break and know that this is this overwhelm is a healthy response and signal that we are reaching our capacity. Anytime we feel annoyed or irritated um, or agitated, that is a sign that we're hitting our edge of capacity and we need to start tending to it. We need to start plugging in that iPhone to get a little quick juice. Otherwise, it's very, very possible that we will uh, get dysregulated and snap out and respond in a, in a less than ideal way. And so, you know, the body, the body holds so much tension and shame and guilt from the day, the mistakes that we make every day, the yelling, when we control, when we use a harsh tone, when we lecture or shame, my gosh, I can roll these out quickly because I've done all of these things. And then we want to, avoid feeling that shame. So we will, you know, numb out, we will distract, we will eat food to stuff ourselves. Um, but this is just a signal that your body needs compassion. It is not a sign. There's something wrong with you, that you're going to F up your kids, that you're doing something wrong, that you are a bad parent. This is not 
anything to do with judging ourselves when we've reached our capacity. Our ability to parent is, and our ability to respond all stems from one thing. What is our capacity to parent in this moment? And if our capacity is low, our respo- we're going to respond from a traumatic response, which is an irritation, anger, frustration, fight or flight response, or freeze, or even fawn. And if we are balanced and regulated and we have capacity, that means our mood and our behavior is going to match that. And we're going to be empathetic and we're going to be nurturing and we're going to connect with our kids. We're going to be playful with them. We can hold space when they're having big feelings. So it's all about learning how to regulate ourselves. Uh, That's the key of the game. What is our capacity? If we have no capacity, if we're not taking breaks to take care of ourselves, to tend to that capacity, you're not going to be any benefit to anyone else because you're not a co-regulator at that point. You are a co-disregulator, right? Your child meets you with an uh, overwhelming sensation experience. You don't have the capacity to be in the room and hold that space. You get dysregulated and pull that energy in you. Now you have two activated bodies fighting against each other, and that's not beneficial for you or them. And it's, you know, it could feel traumatizing um, to both of you guys in different ways. So... Anytime we judge ourselves, we're creating more activation, more adrenalization in our body, more constriction than we we don't need. We already have enough. So anytime you behave in a way that is less than ideal in parenting, it's proof that you have reached capacity. It is not proof you are a bad parent. When we've reached capacity, it's really important to tune into our needs. And what I mean is that so often we are so attuned to the needs of our kids, what they want, what are they feeling? We totally forget about tuning to ourselves. Like we have not a non-identity and that really plays into our lack of capacity. Like, can you sense what you need in the moment that you have lack of a capacity? Do you feel tired? Do you feel hungry? Do you need a little break of laying down on the ground? Do you need to listen to some music that will stimulate you or relax you? Can you lay down um, and sunbathe? Uh, These are just different ways where we can activate and basically plug in our charger to get some more juice and more capacity. So sometimes, and I, I know this is unpopular opinion, but A nature of living in the nuclear family means that sometimes to get a break when you have young kids, you have to put them in front of a digital device. And yes, I know putting in front of a TV is dysregulating for them. It's like an auto regulator. They're temporarily, you know, watching something um, to, to keep them quiet, to soothe them down so you can get some space. But it's really, really important if you're gonna give yourself like 30 minutes because you know, Paw Patrol needs to be your your babysitter at that moment because you don't have any other bodies, right? You don't live in a communal system where you can drop your kids off and be like, hey, I'll be back in like 30 minutes after I take care of X, Y, and Z. Sometimes you need to use that and it's okay to use it consciously. So long as what you're doing during that break is you're taking some of that time to build your capacity and take an actual break drinking a 
drinking some tea, like, you know, I, I'm a big, big, I need my body to feel held. And I like to lay on the ground and, you know, sit in the sun and just bask in it. And I'll put a timer on my Apple watch. And I, I wake up from that, like 10 minutes feeling so effing rejuvenated. I can't, I can't even like believe it's just so simple, but it's just so powerful. Just the power of a little break. And many times what we do when we have like moments is that we actually adrenalize and activate ourselves more. We are like rushing, like, I got to make do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. And we drain our capacity further, or we start scrolling or we go on social media. And I know this happens to me being on phones drains my capacity. So then now I'm less focused, more irritated, more irritable when the screen time ends. And naturally my kids have a little bit of a buffer period where they're like irritable after screen time. And I'm aware of that. And if I'm irritable for after my own screen time, I usually snap at them because I don't have the capacity to handle their feelings versus when I've taken care of myself, I'm now prepared that, okay, they're going to have big feelings. My job is not to stop or fix or manage their emotions and not for them to ever, never feel dysregulated. My job is to be a calm, safe, supportive, regulated body so that they can borrow my calmness to help them regulate themselves because their brain has not developed enough to be able to one, self-regulate that happens closer in adulthood Two, our job as parents is to co-regulate them, to be that safe emotional support, to mirror that for them so that they can one day become adults who are emotionally mature and know how to handle the ruptures and fissures of the up and downs of life. So it's good that they experience dysregulation. You know, so many times parents ask me like, how do you handle dysregulation? How do you stop it? How do, and then they get into a bracing hypervigilant mode of like trying to manage all the environmental circumstances. So their child doesn't have a meltdown. And that's just not possible. It's like trying to like, climb Mount Himalaya in just flip-flops. Like, don't do that to yourself, friends. Like, that is a losing battle. You're going to lose some toes doing that. Um, and it's that's not the purpose of parenting. Our job is to be manage our capacity. Our job is not to manage our children's capacity. Our job is just to be an able regulating body so that our children can come to to borrow some of our calmness without draining and depleting us and boom, that'll go into their body so they can cultivate the safety they need inside themselves. Um, and it's, it's a beautiful alchemy that happens when you're regulated and a dysregulated child's with you and you can be in their presence, um, not get triggered and yeah, it might be annoying. Certainly it's not pleasant, but you're not triggered. And there's an alchemy that happens that helps them settle down. Um, and that builds trust, that builds safety, that builds support. We all say that we want to have kids that'll come to us when we're, when they're older, that they, they can come to us with anything. Well, we need to be able bodies that they feel that safety, not that just we say those things. So when we talk about truly being conscious parents, the only way you can be a conscious, mindful parent is all dependent on your capacity. What is your ability to handle whatever is being thrown at that moment and your desire, your willpower go out the window. 
It is what is your capacity to parent right now and to build your capacity because we are not designed to always be on all day long. Our capacity goes up and down throughout the day. We were not designed to manage and fix numerous other people's nervous system. So take that pressure off of you. You have little people who are relying on you to be regulated. And so you must take those breaks in order to be that co-regulator. If you want to break the cycle, you have to take the breaks. There's no way around it. Otherwise you will be stuck in a in a pattern of constriction, of not having enough capacity, feeling like your needs are not being met. How are you going to meet your children's need from a place of ease and balance and regulation if you can't do that for yourself? And it always feels like a lot of effort to do it with your kids if we're not supporting and soothing ourselves first. And we don't want to parent from our trauma, right? That's what constriction is. We want to parent from a place of empowerment and embodiment. So if anything, I hope this first podcast in this series, uh, I haven't planned out all the topics, but really it guides you and gives you permission that you should be asking yourself throughout the day, especially in transition periods when you're not parenting, what is my capacity? Because what your capacity is in this moment without you being in front of your kids is going to translate and move into when you are with your kids. And if you're at a low capacity now, you're going to have a low capacity later and you're likely that you'll probably snap or have a less than ideal response to something when things don't go your way or something unexpected happens or if it's like a sensory situation, like you're, you're like, I'm very sensitive to sound. So when I'm in low capacity, even like, like something dropping on the floor can trigger me to like, get like agitated and aggravated and have like a knee jerk, like fight or flight response. Um, and snippiness is, is just a sign of dysregulation, you know? And I, I want you to start becoming more aware of when you're becoming buzzy and racing and you're kind of creating some boundary violations, when you're pushing your body past its limit, when you are tired, but you push through, when you are, you know, um, at the end of the day, instead of going to bed, you are scrolling, you are eating, you are watching TV, doing all these other things when your body really is just like, I just need to go to sleep. Uh, when you are constantly bouncing from thing to thing and your mind is moving faster than your body can keep up, this is a sign that you're heading towards your edge of dysregulation and it's time to rebuild capacity because if you don't, you will quickly drain your battery and your mood and your behavior is going to match it. So having more awareness of this is important, but it's like more loving awareness empathy and forgiveness for where we're at because this is not a willpower thing this is not a you are bad or wrong thing this is just a biological function of regulation and how it was modeled to us but the beauty is we can we can grow this and we can evolve and we can do this and this is something i definitely um, am passionate about as you guys know and it this is the stuff that i work with with my coaching clients with my moms for five months we focus on building this capacity uh and you know talking about the the tools to build capacity but for right now if you're just building the loving awareness of like knowing where your capacity is and asking what it is that you need and you know moving the energy that you feel 
of the activation out of your body in a way that feels safe, you're ahead of the game. And that's exactly what, you know, what we, what we are born to do and what we have to do, um, as being moms and parents and guides. So I really, really hope that you took something from this. This spoke to your soul. And if it did, I love hearing from you guys and your insights. And so definitely feel free to slide in my DMs. But until next time, I will see you then and hopefully talk to you on Instagram or even my email. Bye guys. If you've been loving the Time and Talks podcast and you find value from it, I would be so eternally grateful if you take a moment of your time to leave a rating and review over at Apple Podcasts. And when you do, I love to gift you my seven-day stress detox course. All you got to do is screenshot your review before you submit it. Email it to me at thejal at thejalvpatel.com. And when you do, I'll inbox you the details of the course. This course has my go-to tools anytime I feel impatient, angry, fresh, frustrated and I come to them almost every single day and I promise these are the tools that you're going to want to have in your back pocket too and if you haven't purchased the meditation for kids book definitely do so now you can purchase it anywhere you buy books Amazon Barnes and Nobles Target IndieBound Bam and you can go to meditationforkidsbook.com to get more information on the Meditation for Kids Masterclass course. If you're a complete beginner in learning how to teach meditation to your kids, this is the step-by-step roadmap that's going to teach you how to teach your kids meditation without having to become a certified meditation expert. Thank you so much, guys. Bye.